Bam 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 Welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Lisa Linky, and the woman that you're not hearing at the moment <laughs> is Misty Stinnett. There's her adorable giggle. And this is a podcast where we review a popular self-help book, maybe sometimes not so popular, every week, and we talk about if we like it, what we think about it, its problems, all the goods, all the bads, all the yays, all the boos, and in under an hour you'll know some of the main points of the book and know whether or not you want to support the author by buying the book. It's often the case that we recommend that you avoid it at all costs. At least I do. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You're our tiny pocket friend. We're glad you're here. I am from the Midwest. I hate anyone telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to get a nugget of wisdom out of anything I can just squeeze in it. What's it called when you (laughs) twist your hand? Ringing. Bringing, You're bringing the good advice out of these books for all I can. She's so great. Anyway, at the end of this podcast, you'll definitely know whether or not you want to buy the book, support the author, and learn more because we can't cover it all. Or if you're like, thanks for the heads up, I won't invest my time, my money, my energy, my sanity into that uh, author's perspective. And so we're doing all this in service of you so you can go on about your busy lives while Mm -hmm. still getting the perspective-altering self-help advice that you've been craving or that someone has been craving for you. If this is an explicit podcast, you knew that when you clicked on the podcast. Did you? I never noticed the little E for explicit. I do. Oh, I because I won't listen to anything that doesn't say fuck. We put out two, two episodes a week. Two. We sure do. Why do this we do that? This is just one. Well, our longtime loyal listeners, our LLLs, definitely know that. And that's on Tuesdays, we provide our mini-sode, our weekly beef where we explore all other aspects of the genre of self-help, whether Mm. it's articles or interviews or trivia or thought-provoking questions or just anything we gosh darn well feel like. Because, you know, self-help is a large ocean and we're all just swimming (laughs) in it, okay? That's Tuesdays. These are Fridays. We also have merch that's available. All the links are in show notes. You can get cool hoodies and t-shirts and things like that. They're very neat and... If you want to really get to know Miss Dan Lisa a little bit better, you can oh. become a subscriber to our Patreon, which is at yeah. patreon.com slash go help yourself. And every week when we assign homework for one another, we follow up with a deep dive where we, in a more intimate way, explore doing the homework and, and what that experience was like. You'll also have access to live events earlier than the general public. Depending on the tier, you might yeah. get a welcome video from us. You'll get extra book content that we can't fit into the episode. There's just lots of yummy goodies. There's that are a little available. something for everybody. Yeah, super, super fun. And yeah. we already want to thank our Patreon supporters right now because we're so grateful and all of the proceeds help us make the show, create the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Listen, we're too. Very Hard-working, wealthy, well-read, self-funded, don't need entrepreneurial, perfectly whole bitches. bitches. <laughs> but you know, we have produced over two episodes, two hundred episodes of this bad boy. I'm sorry, Lisa. Yeah. Did Ugh. you say extremely wealthy? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> and you know, we've learned a lot. And well, one thing we've learned is we do not want to support this on our very own forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. We would love I could to have be driving a Lexus instead of a Corolla, but you know what? We're doing it for you guys. I had I had this image in my head, Lisa, when you were like, we're reading the book so that you don't have to. For some reason, I was picturing us on an asteroid with Bruce Willis with a giant drill, just like an Armageddon. And we're like trying. We are like the front line of defense. We are like, we're blowing ourselves up so that we can save you from the trauma. We've thrown ourselves on the grenade. Misty, that is the second time today that that movie has been in my <laughs> in my vernacular because I was just on a fun podcast with my friend Josiah. It was called The $8 Game Show where mm, I compete for so $8. Fun. And we <laughs> talked about the movie Armageddon. Why so, $8? Uh, it's self-funded. <laughs> well, why not 7 or 10 You know what I like? Why 8 specifically? You know, I think you'll have to ask him. Maybe he'll have you on. You'll have to. You'll have to tune in and find out. And the answer may surprise you. May surprise you. Always tease everything. But yeah, Armageddon, I I don't know if it holds up, but the last Uh time I watched it, it was so deliciously what you want it to be. Like late 90s, 
like soundtrack, the formula. It was all really working for me. I will say a key moment in the in the entire story (laughs) hinges on the Russian astronaut just beating the shit out of mechanics with a with a wrench. So someone also said. Wouldn't it be so much more efficient to teach astronauts how to use a drill than to teach these guys who know how to drill to be astronauts? <laughs> and that oh, slayed wow. me. I love that I was like, he bangs on a wrench. And I'm like, <laughs> they like, never should have been up there. <laughs> yeah, actually, the premise is backwards. Anywho. Okay, Let's my get friend. to it, baby. What you got for us this week? Okay, <sighs> pressure, the pressure's on. This week, as promised, so I did the last book review, and in that book review of The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz and Janet Mills, mm-hmm. we started talking about men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And I was like, yeah. wait, why have we not covered that book? And literally stopped everything. I have a whole list of books that I want to cover, and I stopped everything to bring you the number one New York Times bestseller, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, The Classic Guide to Understanding the Opposite Sex by John Gray, a PhD. Now, Misty, I am old enough to remember John Gray when this was like all the rage. Not that Mm -hmm. I was in a relationship and needed this book, but It was published in 1992. Thank you. And were you born then? Yes, bitch, I'm 87. Okay, okay. Years old. No, I'm very, <laughs> I have a very good night cream. 84 1987. Okay, so, Misty, I know what this book is about. I mean, the title pretty much gives us what this book is about. But if you had to summarize the premise in one sentence, <laughs> what would you say? Women are beings who just want to talk. And men are beings who cannot handle feeling criticized. So this is your how-to guide on how to walk on eggshells around each other and stuff your true self deep down inside, baby. Spoiler alert, the rest of the episode will be in that voice from Misty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this is is a tough one. I just want to say there are so many brilliant books that Lisa and I love and think everybody should buy and are filled with research-backed, thoughtful, inclusive advice, tips, perspective shifts. And we've got a lot of episodes that are filled with that. And then there are ones like this one's going to be. And this one, we're going to toggle back and forth between some things. And also, like, keep in mind, when you've got someone who's trying to write something really pithy— and in the 90s, and, y- you know, all this, of the gender stereotypes we had back then in popular okay, culture yeah, were really problematic. Say. Yeah, This so book is 32 years old, and my guess is it do not hold up. Yeah, so, yes, it's 29 years old. For I can't sure. do math. 1992. I, math. I love it. So it's almost as old as me. So real quick, the hardcover is just under 25 bucks on bookshop.org. Paperback is $15.63, also on bookshop.org, which supports local bookstores. The Kindle is $6.99. The audiobook is $16.09 on Libro.fm or one credit, which is 15 bucks. Libro.fm is an alternative to Audible, and it works exactly the same way. 15 bucks a month, one credit. And on the Overdrive app, it is free with about a three-week wait in my area. Misty, now yep. did you read the full or the abridged? Oh, oh, baby. I read the abridged. Now let me tell you something. Okay. When okay. I looked up my options for this book, I was like, all right, because I love to listen to audiobooks, as you know. The original book book is 286 pages, mm-hmm. and that translates to like over nine hours on audiobook, like nine and a half hours. I think we had that in my house. That feels right for what I know about you. Yeah. Yeah. The abridged version that came out in 1999, so seven years later, is one hour and 36 minutes long. And it made me wonder, what on earth was he talking about in the extra seven hours in the original audiobook? Because I really feel like... It must have just been fluffed with other stories. Yeah, a lot of anecdotes. I feel like if you're going to cannibalize on your own book by offering a much pared down version, 
it's smart. Listen, all the people who refuse to read it the first go around are like, well, I guess I will read the shortened version. <laughs> yeah. And listen, we are going to touch on just how smart and business-minded John Gray mm-hmm. PhD is in a second. But yeah, you know, this is the abridged version, which is, you know, a tenth of the length of the yeah. original one, yeah. whatever. That is the author and the publisher saying like, these are the most important points of the book. Just pay attention yeah. to these. So I'm going like, thank God I didn't read the other one. So this book is more of a practical how-to book than like sure, sure, woo-woo sure. philosophy, but because I can't handle my feelings. Uh. Yeah, I, but with it's like filled with the author's own theories that are not backed up by studies or science about how men and women really, quote unquote, saying that facetiously work. So when I first picked it up, the author reads it and his voice is fine. Mm-hmm. I could definitely hear the care and compassion that he's put into the book. Like He's it's, made it his life's work, I think. Yes. It's, oh, there are so many versions of Mars and Venus branding. It's super clear that his goal is to help couples communicate and understand one another. Like that's never in doubt. But when I started listening, I immediately thought it was reductive of both sexes addressed in the book. And Mm -hmm. I laughed out loud twice within the first five minutes. And the author (laughs) was not attempting to be funny. (laughs) Okay, wait. Can you tell us one of the things that made you laugh? I'll let you know if I... Oh, no, 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 no. There's a story that I'll share a little bit later. Yeah. But it was one of these... You know, like driving down the highway, like I just was like, what did he just say? So here's a little about the author before we dive in, because we always like- John Gray, baby. Yeah, because this is like, this is a huge book, and I want to know who's behind this. Who are you? Tell me about John Gray. I I know a little bit about him, and I'm very excited. (laughs) So this bio is a mix of what's listed for the author on his Amazon author's page and also Wikipedia. So John Gray, PhD, is the number one best-selling relationship author of all time. He is the author of over 20 books, including the New York Times number one best-selling relationship book of all time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. His books have sold over 50 million copies in 50 different languages around the world, to which I say, (laughs) same. He's a relationship counselor who earned degrees in meditation and took a correspondence course in psychology. That's Mail-in. That's the thing. Yes. He has made guest appearances on such shows as Oprah, yep. The Dr. Oz Show, Good Morning America, The Today Show, The CBS Morning Show, Live with Regis, Fox and Friends Weekend, Good Morning New York, Larry King Live, CNN, CNN and Company, and many others. He has been profiled in major publications across the United States. John Gray lives with his wife and children in Northern California. By the way, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus has sold more than 15 million copies, including spending 121 weeks on the bestseller list. The book and its central metaphor have become a part of popular culture and the foundation for the author's subsequent books, recordings, seminars, theme vacations, one-man Broadway show, TV sitcom workout videos, a podcast, men's and ladies' apparel lines, fragrances, travel guides, and his and her salad dressings. I mean, that's what was wrong with our relationship the whole time. We We tried to share salad dressing. What the fuck? I mean, honestly, people don't talk about it enough. And I want you to know... I went to his website, which is marsvenus.com, and we that, of course, is in show notes, wherever your phone is right now. And I want you to know, he is truly a business marvel yeah. among so many products. He yeah. is selling a probiotic yogurt kit for $400. Oh, it fuck is him. yogurt. Fuck him. I would like to say, and maybe you'll address this, so tell yeah. me if we need to save it, but this came out in 92? Yeah, and then the abridged version in 99. So I think he hit the crux of the 80s with like women being told you can have it all and you're, you know, you are the yep. same, but also experiencing this like, no, there's clearly sexism in the, you know, in a, the workplace and mm-hmm. relationships, the change, because, you know, women couldn't have their own bank accounts until 1972, 1973. So, so they're insane. in that 
like in that 20 years, there was a real shift in the dynamics between men and women. And he was the first person to come out and say, after, you know, Title IX and we're equal, Mm -hmm. to say we're actually very different. And I think that soothed a lot of people's inabilities to communicate when really what we just didn't, when I think it's more about learned masculinity and learned femininity. You are nailing all of the context. And I really tried to be really thoughtful in the review that I'm about to give with what I think, with what we've learned now in the last 30 years of like dissecting social constructs and gender stereotypes and, you know, massive systems and societal pressures like patriarchy, you know, those sorts of things. Like what was missing from what he was writing. But even at the time, there was a lot of backlash about his sexism, his misogyny, yeah, yeah. Uh, his credentials. You know, e- like in the year after, people were in '93. People were like, Venus, Mars, or Planet Earth. Like, you know, here's the real deal of what's happening. So, this is one of those books that really has like skyrocketed to giant fame. But why? Yeah. <laughs> so stand by, and before we dive in, Lisa. You might ask, what is his PhD in? Well, according to Wikipedia, Gray received an unaccredited PhD degree by correspondence in 1982 from Columbia Pacific University, a now defunct institution located in San Rafael, California, upon completion of a correspondence course. He also received an honorary doctorate 10 years after Men Are From Mars was written from Governor State University in Illinois after he delivered their commencement address in 2002. Sure. Two things. One, I know the man who used to be like the head of the speech pathology department at Governor State is a good friend's dad. And two, but what was his actual PhD in in the first one? Psychology. Okay, it was like, that's the correspondence course. Yeah. You got a PhD in psychology from a correspondence course. That means no defending your dissertation, none of that bullshit. Unaccredited from a now defunct university. Great, 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 great. Something else that I read said that he was actually a monk for a while. Okay, sorry. And he was studying meditation, and meditation wasn't working for his brother, who's bipolar. And so that's why he got more interested in psychology. And then he was a therapist and a relationship counselor. Like to acknowledge that one, I'll say it, one mediocre white man's unaccredited journey, because why would you go to that school if you really had a vested interest and wanted to become a true PhD of psychology, has framed our culture's view Mm -hmm. of the way that the sexes communicate in such a deep and penetrative way. Penetrative? Yes. Yeah. Penetrative yeah, girl. That it is absolutely ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It is. And I was going to save this nugget for the end, but I actually think it is uh, more relevant here now that we're talking about it. I want to share just a little quote from him from an article in The Guardian from 2017, okay. where he was interviewed and shares some of his experience that helped shape the book. And the link to the full article is in show notes. I have just pulled a quick excerpt from it. John Gray says, I was a monk in the 1970s. I grew up with five brothers. And after I became a monk and lived around men, was celibate. So when I started being around women, they were from another planet. Some of the ideas in the book were drawn from challenges I now faced. When women upset me, I would meditate and analyze what had happened. I was used to going off and meditating and leaving feelings behind. And so this you're going to see show up over and over in the book, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. his own puzzlement with women and his own tendencies to withdraw and meditate, he really says these are universal, instinctual, inherent differences in men and women. But let me tell you, I know a lot of dudes that don't withdraw and don't meditate. So you know what I mean? So I want to build a time travel team to pun. I've I've had a stroke. I want to build a time travel machine to go back in time and punch him in the face while he's meditating. Yeah. Well, he's, you know what? He's made millions and like like hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Oh, yeah. So. I mean, the salad dressings alone. I mean, the yogurt is $400. (laughs) 
can't get over it. Well, listen, men's gut health and women's gut health is very different. It I cannot. Okay, so mm-hmm. just so you know, his work has been widely criticized as being misogynist, reductive, sexist, and inaccurate yeah. in the assertion that men and women are fundamentally different. Many studies have debunked this and show that men and women want and desire the same things and only mm-hmm. truly differ in areas like physical strength mm-hmm. or average height. This is a lot of context, but it's necessary. It's relevant, right? When we're looking back at something I think that's so, had this big of an impact. Well, it's why we started asking the first question in our Q&A at the end of our reviews. Mm-hmm. Did this book need to be written? Mm-hmm. Because we needed to take into consideration the time that it was written in, yeah. where we were sociologically, totally, et cetera. So totally. you know what? I am going to light a small protection white magic soy candle right white now because I feel soy. like— Where's that? Um, is that from House of Intuition on Melrose? It's actually from Species by the Thousands, which is oh. based out of Brooklyn. And I love them, and I love their scent so much. But just for everybody, take a deep breath. <sighs> I'm lighting this protection I've candle. I've really been John steeped Gray. in this all day, too. It took me hours to do it. Cannot hurt us. Okay, here we go. Listen, that smells good. All you tiny pocket friends, we want you to know that while you're in this pocket with us, you're safe. There's a boundary here. Yeah. This is just for us to, we're super protected, talk about these ideas, and they don't have to penetrate our psyche, Bruce Bryan's. (laughs) Thank you. And while you're here to save space in this warm, cozy pocket that fits all of us. Okay, here we go. The Buke Simere. The book states that most common relationship problems between men and women are a result of fundamental psychological differences between the sexes, which the women author are crazy. Women are crazy, which the author exemplifies by means of an eponymous metaphor that men and women are from distinct planets, men from Mars and women mm-hmm. from Venus. And that each sex is acclimated to its own planet's society and customs, but not to those of the other. It makes perfect sense to me. I saw Wonder Woman. (laughs) She's literally from a different world and a badass one. So one example is men's complaint that if they offer solutions to problems that women bring up in conversation, the women are not necessarily interested in solving those problems, but mainly want to talk about them. The book asserts each sex can be understood in terms of distinct ways that they respond to stress and stressful situations. And I want you to know that I cobbled together a summary of my own notes from the book and then some ideas from shortform.com and four-minute books because this book has been around for 30 years. Yeah, there's a lot There's so many summaries that already say what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. So I just want to credit where credit is due. I love that about you. Thank you so much. So here are the chapters in the unabridged version. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Chapter two, Mr. Fix-It and the Home Improvement Committee. Three, men go to their caves and women talk. Four, How to Motivate the Opposite Sex. Five, Speaking Different Languages. Six, Men Are Like Rubber Bands. Seven, Women Are Like Waves. Eight, Discovering Our Different Emotional Needs. Nine, How to Avoid Arguments. Ten, Scoring Points with the Opposite Sex. Eleven, How to Communicate Difficult Feelings. Twelve, How to Ask for Support and Get It. 13, keeping the magic of love alive. So it sounds good. Like it sounds pretty. I can imagine that I'm like, I'm like, oh, cool. How to ask for support and get it. How to not argue. Like, okay. I mean, but buried in there are like men are like rubber bands. They stretch until they break or snap. And women are like waves. Just ride it out. Just ride it out. You're not wrong. So here we go. Here's the big, big metaphor. One day on Mars. The Martians were looking out through their telescopes. All of a sudden, they noticed beautiful creatures on another planet. They had discovered the Venetians of Venus. Immediately, the Martians began to feel a kind of love they had never known. They quickly invented spaceships and traveled to Venus to take care of the marvelous creatures there. All along, the Venetians had known that something great was on its way. They welcomed the Martians to their planet and gave their love generously to them. 
Although they were from different planets, the Martians and Venetians celebrated their differences and learned to live together harmoniously. Eventually, the Martians and Venetians traveled to Earth, but the planet's atmosphere had strange effects on them. They developed amnesia. All of a sudden, the Martians and Venetians forgot that they originally hailed from different planets. They could no longer understand and appreciate their innate differences. Lisa's head is in her hands. Men and women have been in conflict ever since because understanding and appreciating one another's differences is the key to healthy relationships. Now, let me tell you something. If you're anything like me, you're going, why the fucking metaphor? We don't need this metaphor. (laughs) You could just say men and women are raised differently, and that would be the end of that. But he's not saying that they're raised differently. He's saying that they are truly, like, from the inside out different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. But the metaphor just doesn't work for me and did not add (laughs) anything to my the value of my experience listening to this book. And honestly, I ha- he just interchangeably uses men and Martian and women and Venetian. And it just made me keep going, wait, which one's which? Like as right. he was speaking. So. I mean, also, I'd love you to point out any time in history where a group of men traveled to another place that wasn't theirs and just went for good. <laughs> yeah, to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal, Lisa. Here are the primary differences between men and women, according to John Gray, P.H. Dizzle. Because men and women hail from different planets, they have a different code of values and different emotional needs. The primary values and emotional needs of men and women influence everything from the way we behave to the way we communicate. He also says that qualities and values of men and women differ. He says a man is primarily concerned with autonomy, achievement, power, and efficiency. His sense of self is centered around his ability to solve problems and reach goals by himself. These values are reflected in everything that a Martian does and says. And we do know from Liz Plank's For the Love of Men, which is an incredible book, that we do teach men that you're only valuable so long as you're useful, right? You're accomplishing something you're providing. So that's true. Like, I'm not saying things in this book are not touching the truth or sometimes true, but overall. We'll He's just accrediting it. it to a like a genetic difference versus yeah. a learned mm-hmm. difference. Yes, exactly. He says, because a man is so focused on handling his own problems, he does not particularly like to talk about his problems or accept advice unless he consults a trusted expert. On the other hand, a woman is primarily concerned with relationships, love, connection, and aesthetics. Her sense of self is centered around... I mean, this was the early 90s. Her sense of self is centered around her ability to nurture others, communicate her feelings, and build quality relationships. These values are reflected in everything that a Venetian says and does. Because a woman is so focused on communication, she finds fulfillment in talking about her problems with others. So on Venus, it is intuitively understood that communication is a sign of caring and respect. The way women show love to other women is to offer support without having to be asked. Now, let me tell you what my brain sees when I read that. I see we teach women and help them practice emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. We do not offer the same opportunity to men or tell them that it's okay. So they don't feel okay asking for help. And I will heighten it to say, not only do we teach women to practice emotional intelligence, their safety and security is dependent upon their social or their emotional yes. intelligence in yes. culture. Yes, you are 100% correct. And that conversation still blows my mind. Yeah. And it's so true. So he says, the, one of the major messages in this book is that above all, men need to feel appreciated and accepted and trusted just the way they are. It's all about how useful and successful they feel in your eyes. Now, a lot of this might sound pretty good at this point, but let me give you a few examples from the book of how the author actually suggests we handle these differences. Am I going to barf? You are. Okay. Okay. I just want to be prepared. He tells the story of a couple driving to a party pre-GPS. And by the way, anytime I mention a relationship or a couple— it is a heterosexual, heteronormative relationship. He does oh, not yeah, even acknowledge. Yes. No. So 
this couple's driving to a party. It's before the time of GPS, and the husband is driving. After 20 minutes and passing the same block a few times, it's clear that the husband is lost. So the wife suggests he call someone at the party for help with directions. The husband gets very quiet at her suggestion, and the tension grows and grows all evening while they're at the party. So what happened here, asks the author. He's an abuser. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Moving on. And she, he didn't say it how she really said it. She said, God, Bill, why don't you just call someone and ask for directions? Because you're a terrible driver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, she gently is like, why don't you call for help? Right? Unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. So what happened here? John Gray says that in suggesting that the husband call and ask for help, the wife communicated that she doesn't trust him and doesn't think he's capable of getting them to the party. So he feels rejected and he retreats inwardly. He says that what the wife should have done is to accept him just as he is and stay quiet and trust that he will get them to the party without offering unsolicited advice. I'm dying inside. I know. I was too. She should shut up and just be glad she has on her car coat because it's going to be chilly in there, both emotionally and weather-wise, because it's a fall gathering. They're going to miss dinner. She's going to be hungry and, damn it, she needs to have something in her purse to keep her tidied over. And meanwhile, she's just silently going... It's my little sister's wedding party. She only gets married once. That's all that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you're doing a great job, honey. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only <laughs> seen this block four times. A fifth, you know, you you learn, you see something new every time we pass it. It's so oh, beautiful. They're having a sale. <laughs> they're having a party. Should we just go to that one? So, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> that was Bill. I thought it was like a rabid squirrel that fell into the back of the cab. Because <laughs> we're in a truck, rabid squirrel. Reason. We're going to miss dinner. <laughs> but that's okay because I trust and accept you just as you are. I just so, need to stay quiet. <laughs> I wish everyone could see the maniacal smile on your face. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a major theme throughout the book, that women need to accept their romantic partners exactly as they are. They need Women need to do all the changing by just accepting and not asking for what they need, which is right. please stop and ask for directions so we don't miss my little sister's wedding. Yeah. And also yeah. saying like, hey, why don't we ask for help? Hey. That's not an. That's not. That shouldn't be an emotional minefield, you know. And it, he doesn't say anything about how learned toxic masculinity and patriarchal structures make <laughs> men's egos so fragile because they feel like they aren't useful, they aren't valued if they're not achieving right. something well. But he you know, didn't know so he was like, swimming in the water. He's a fish in water, and he doesn't know that he's wet. And somehow he now has like. Some giant revered pond when it's just like a puddle of shit after a bad rainstorm next to a cutter. And I don't get it. And $400 yogurt. But I am. Oh, I can't get over it. Has How many has he sold? One? 12? 13,000? But really, I, I'm not trying to just shit on this book. I really am trying to understand, like, yeah. what was going on in the context. No, you're doing a great job. I you. am trying to shit on the book. Okay, here we go. So now he talks about the emotional needs of men and women. Okay. And he says that the fundamental difference between men and women, again, not backed up by any science, Mm -hmm. is that when women are stressed, they want to talk about how they feel with their partners. But he says that when men are stressed, they retreat into their cave. And let's all red flag this as a giant stereotype alert. Man cave? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, come on. And they try to calm down or work through their problems on their own. And again, with the context that that's what he did as Mm -hmm. a monk Mm -hmm. does not mean this is how, what all men do. So don't Yeah, I've seen a lot of men who fucking like lose their shit when they get mad 
and not or retreat at all. Cry or want to talk about it until they feel bad. Like oh, literally yeah. every. Sorry. I got into the reductive game. You did. My bad. You did. I did. That's okay. That's okay. But I'm just like, this is not. And that was a lot of the blowback too, was from men being like, don't generalize us this way. Like, this is not how I do things. Well, they never said it out loud. They were in their cave silently, silently being it. angry mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So men go and retreat to a cave when they're stressed and isolate themselves. And he warns women that even if they feel rejected by their man retreating into his cave, to not go in there and interrupt the cycle. Because he says this is a really important natural part of a man's process. So here is a direct little quote for you. Quote, To expect a man who is in his cave instantly to become open, responsive, and loving is as unrealistic as expecting a woman who's upset to immediately calm down and make complete sense. So, it's I'm sorry, I have left my body. Please send, (laughs) in lieu of flowers, please send all donations to a time machine that can be built and go back in time and save our country from toxic masculinity. (laughs) Learned toxic masculinity. So, It's in these little nuggets that the author's casual misogyny starts rearing its head, Mm -hmm. right? In addition to how reductive he's being of men's emotional intelligence and processes. And like in that same article from The Guardian, he was like, well, you know, once you're labeled sexist, then you're a misogynist and a rapist and a killer. And I was just like, can we not? not That is, yeah, don't. (laughs) So here we go. He says many times. I just want to say, like, that saying, like, if dad's mad, a child can't go in. Like, we all have to give him this huge space buffer so that he's not interrupted. That's not wholehearted living. That's not an equal partnership. That's putting one person's process above everyone else. It's so shitty. It really paints the woman as this really overly needy partner Mm -hmm. and like the man is the one with the process to be honored and incapable of doing two things at once incapable of having their own process Mm -hmm. and also being present for their partner which is yeah because because if we reverse the point of view of this book and we said a woman's need is to talk it out in the moment etc So do not leave the room until she has talked it out with you. That's what's important. And only then can you go process on your own afterwards. Like, do you see how then we're valuing the woman's process over the man? Like, it's just so short-sighted. Yeah. He has no idea how biased his viewpoint is. Yeah. You know, he really thinks, and it's interesting because as I was listening to the book, I kept getting the sense that he really is talking to women more than yeah. anything else. And I, I'm not sure that that's true. And I kept asking myself, is that just because I'm a woman and those parts are standing out to me? Well, you I know, think in that time, what, but, the self-help genre was predominantly yeah. women. And so many books these days are marketed as what he really means, the secret you know, mm-hmm. to unlocking your, getting your husband to open up. Like, it's all about this, like, mystery and secret and what you don't know. And it's all that it's a puzzle to be solved. And it's like, no, no. If two people are emotionally intelligent, there's nothing to solve. You'll know right yeah. away. You'll be communicating. Yeah. So he says, many times both a man and a woman in a relationship feel as though they give more love than they receive. But the truth is that they are both giving love, but not in their partner's desired manner. And I do think that there's truth to that in a lot of relationships. Sure. Awareness of how your partner's love needs are different from yours will guide you in how to show your love and support in the way they most want to receive them. He says there are 12 types of love. It is important to note that both men and women need all 12 types of love, but men and women each have six primary needs that must be fulfilled in order to truly feel loved and give love in return. This predates the five love languages. Yeah. Five love languages, I think, uh, was from 99. He says, men primarily need trust, acceptance, appreciation, admiration, approval, and encouragement. On Mars, every man instinctively knew to show their love for each other in these primary ways. Women primarily need caring, understanding, respect, devotion, validation, and reassurance. On Venus, every woman instinctively knew to show their love for each other in these primary ways. 
He says the most effective way for a woman to fulfill a man's love needs is to empower him. Showing your man that you love him the way he is and wouldn't want to change him makes him feel trusted, accepted, appreciated, admired, approved of, and encouraged. The most effective way for a man to fulfill a woman's love needs is to communicate with her. Listening to a woman without trying to change or invalidate her feelings is a way to shower her with caring, understanding, respect, devotion, validation, and reassurance. So here's the thing. The message of this book is basically a woman is supposed to accept a man no matter what and not blame him or criticize him ever. The magic words for a man to hear are, it's not your fault. And the four magic words for a woman to hear are, I will be back, right? When he retreats, I am coming back. He then says that men have a natural cycle, a natural in quotes here, a natural cycle that's like a rubber band oscillating back and forth between intimacy and autonomy. He says men will get really close to their partners and really intimate and suddenly like a rubber band, they need to pull away before they can snap back and get close again. The author says this cycle is natural and important and instinctual. And let me tell you this, my understanding is that the only instinct humans come out of the womb with is the instinct to suckle. That is it. Yeah. So where's the science, right? He says, and if a woman tries to maintain intimacy consistently through this rubber band cycle while he's pulling away, she's actually preventing it from happening since she's interrupting the man's natural cycle. So can you see how this book puts so much of the mental load on women to manage how their partners react and feel? Yeah, and I also just would like to say it probably did so well because a lot of the things they were, a lot of the things he's saying in terms of all these different types of love are Mm -hmm. very accurate and very helpful in in relationships and communication and relationships. Validating, accepting, Mm -hmm. listening without fixing, like those things are great. Yeah. But assigning them to based on a gender is stupid. A hundred percent. And I mean, like you and I have talked about this through a lot of these relationship books where it's like, we all just want to be whole. We just want, I mean, you know, like I can't speak for everybody, but we all, I think, want to bring our full humanity to the table and say, hey, I've got desires. I wasn't happy about that. I wish more for this. I love you. I want to feel validated and communicative. I also want to feel autonomous. You know, like, and so do men. Like, I I don't think that there are differences in the the human desire to belong and Mm -hmm. feel seen Mm -hmm. for the the whole and validated and connected humanity that they possess. Yeah. 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 So and I don't think that all men have cycles of close intimacy and then pulling away. That sounds like anxious attachment style. Or sorry, uh, what's the? Avoidant, yes. Avoidant attachment style, which sure, might be there for a lot of people, but it's not I exclusive will say, to men. I would love to be able to just say, ooh, it sounds like I'm catching you at a bad place in your cycle. Let me know when you're feeling better. <laughs> Oh, is it that time of the month? Is it that time of the month? Is are it you, the time of Are your you back cycle? to avoidant? Okay. Cool. Well, whenever you're ready to be attached, you just let me know. Yeah. And if you need to take some Motrin, that's fine. Yeah, and I accept you exactly as you are. And I'll just be waiting here when you get back with no needs of my own. You're welcome. Bye. So, bye. So while men are like rubber bands, he says women are like waves. Mm. When a woman feels loved, her self-esteem rises and falls like a wave. And again... <laughs> Yep. Note how me- how men are like an invention and women are natural, like a, a something of the earth. Like, mm. w- ugh, I hate this fucking guy. Could have been like I a mean, geyser. Men could have been like a geyser, building a trench you- and then spouting off. But no, they're a rubber band. They're an invention. I love that this is the hill you want they're to They're a useful back. tool. That's not at all. Is it? I mean, look, water, we need it to survive. The ocean is majestic. Like, I would rather be a huev. I'll just, I'll pick him apart on any hill. Okay, here we go. So when a woman feels loved, her self-esteem rises and falls like a wave. And again, it's her natural cycle. He says a woman's ability to give and receive love in a relationship generally depends on how she feels about herself. But I really disagree with this. I think you can feel amazing about yourself 
But if you aren't receiving help and real support from your partner, you can feel like you're going fucking crazy. And it can feel awful. You can feel terrible about yourself and be fucking nailing it in the relationship department. A hundred percent. From your partner's perspective. Yeah. Yes. And there are many reasons, which we'll get to in just a second, why a woman might feel shitty about her contribution in the relationship. So here we go. Is it that time in the tide? (laughs) It's your self-esteem tide crashing down. He tells the story of husband and wife, Bill and Mary. Bill can't... Bill? Yeah, which is what you said earlier. We'll just go with it. Same Bill. Bill can't understand his wife, Lisa. For Hmm. weeks, he says she is the most loving, wonderful person, giving herself unconditionally to Bill and all those around her. Then, when she feels like she's giving too much, she suddenly gets very disapproving of Bill. But Bill says, it's not my fault she's unhappy. Explain that to her, and we just get into the biggest fights. But the author says that Bill's problem here is that he tried to rescue her while she was on her wave cycle. He didn't realize that she needed to hit bottom before she could come up again. And Lisa, all I could think of listening to this was poor Mary. That poor woman is giving everything she has to her husband and is getting nothing in return. And I bet she's exhausted. He says... I Plus, know. they're still least, driving around looking for the party. They're never going to get there. They will die on this block. It's true. He says the last thing a woman needs when she's on her way down is for someone to tell her why she shouldn't be unhappy. True. Okay. Yep. He says what she needs is someone to be with her on the way down, listening to her so she can talk about her feelings. But I think that what Mary needs is for someone else to give to her unconditionally so that she's not the only goddamn one doing the work in the family. She <laughs> needs caretaking too. And I'm feeling really protective of Bill, I'm just so dang tired. Oh my I God. I can't. So here, before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. a couple last pieces of advice from our boy, John no. Gray. Well, thank P- God you did the abridged H- because day. honestly, Misty... I couldn't make it through the whole. <laughs> this is just the abridged, and I'm leaving a lot out. So he says that when asking for support as a woman, use W words like would you take out the trash and will you take out the trash? Don't use words like could or can. Yeah. You should say things like, I wish you would ask for directions because I'm fucking starving and my little sister is married and you've ruined my life. <laughs> That's a W word. See, that's a reason to get really quiet in a car. (laughs) Like, that is an appropriate response. So you you tiptoe around like, would, will you take out the trash? And then once he does take out the trash, John Gray, PhD, recommends that you shower him with praise and appreciation. And a blowjob. Yep. He says, never take anything for granted that he's just going to do it. Then, once he opens up after you shower him with praise, you can risk asking for more. And I just find this so problematic because it is not indicative of a true partnership. It is so unbalanced with the mental load because that assumes like, will you help me with the household chores implies it's the woman's job, not the man's. You have like, why, why does he paint men as so fucking fragile that a wife cannot even ask her husband, can you take out the fucking trash? Bottlenose dolphins that once they achieve one learn behavior, you start to stretch it into another one. Great. You touched you touched the ball in the end of this pole. I give you a fish. You did it. Good job. I give you a fish. Now I'm going to put it a, a foot above the water until they're mm-hmm. fucking jumping 30 feet out of the water and yeah. injuring yeah. their internal organs when they splash back down. Please boycott aquariums with live animal shows. Thank oh, you. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, it's, it's, they don't do that behavior in I real wasn't life. expecting. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Don't go to SeaWorld. Especially now. It's COVID. What are you thinking? So... He also says that men have a greater need to feel accepted than women, and that any request for more support makes him feel like he's not accepted just the way he is. But Lisa, I want to know something that I wish I could ask John Gray. Come on the podcast, for real. What if your partner is not accepted just the way he is? What if he is a shitty partner? 
What if you are harboring all of the fucking mental load and he's doing nothing? And if you then follow the advice in this book, you're supposed to just smile and say, you're lovely and I love you and I'm excited and I accept you just the way you are. And that doesn't sound like a way to get needs met for anyone Mm -mm. to me. It sounds like human giver syndrome where the woman is supposed to sacrifice all of her needs so that the man can feel comfortable. And it's infuriating. I mean, it's absolutely, it's totally erasing the validity of the female experience. And throughout the book, he gives advice to each of the sexes, again, he's not inclusive of binary folks, about how to manage their partner's reactions and feelings. And to me, that just does not feel possible or healthy. Manipulative. Yes. Each individual in a relationship has to be responsible for advocating for their own needs and managing their own feelings and sticking up for themselves and being self-loving. We can't be tiptoeing around each other worrying, oh God, I'm going to upset her or like, oh God, I'm going to insult him. So I better change my behavior. I want to interrupt. I want to say for anybody who's listening and feeling like we're pointing out exceptions and well, you know, let's not assume that their partner is an abuser. I just would love you to just Google the rates of, you know, domestic violence among women in America and the, for the different rates among different races in America. And mm. to recognize that there is a lot of spousal abuse. And, you know, when we bring up these things, it's not because we want to bust on an author or because we want to bust on a gender. What we're doing is we're saying, this shit took off. It took off in a life of its own, and it framed the way we think about the sex, sexes, yeah. and and gender in our society for two decades, th- two and a half decades, I mean, and there, we're just there pulling are, out of it. Yeah, there are potentially millions of women who internalized this, this advice, uh-huh. and they decided the only way to have a successful relationship is not to advocate for my needs, mm-hmm. to never make him feel criticized, and and they're getting erased. Their experience is getting erased. Mm-hmm. They are not. Th- this is why I feel so angry about it. And and there are, on the same hand, like potentially millions of men. Oh, 100%. Who, who are going like, oh, this is all a woman wants is to talk, you know, and they're not. It, it, this can or actually like, cause I, more harm than good. I have needs. I don't feel safe in my relationship. And I'm... Yeah. I don't feel like I'm in this book being given permission to ask yeah. for it. I need yeah. to go by myself, lick yeah. my wounds on my own, yeah. which doesn't build vulnerability and trust. It's yeah. just, yeah. It's from a, so, it stems from a person who has no business giving advice whatsoever. 100%. It's not backed up by any research. And I do, again, want to say, it's really clear the author's coming from a good place. That sure. is very clear. But impact versus intent are two totally different things. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it just, this idea that we are supposed to manage how we think our partner is going to react or tiptoe around it, et cetera, just feels really misguided to me, especially in the context of this modern age. And it just might be a product of how old this book is, which again, almost 30 years old for the original version. Yeah. So overall... This book tells you how to deal with the effects of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. not how to recognize and deal with the root causes so that everyone involved in a partnership can be full human beings. Mm, and sure, well if you follow the ad- thank you. If you follow the advice in this book, yeah, your relationship may have less conflict because no one is being honest or free to be their full selves. But is that what you really want? So that is a brief overview and opinion piece of the number one New York Times bestseller, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, The Classic Guide to Understanding the Opposite Sex by John Gray, PhD. Please visit marsvenus.com if you want to see the author's other projects don't. or buy the bougiest yogurt sold yogurt. on the <laughs> Please don't support the author. Misty, I have some questions for you. Yeah, you do. Did this book need to be written? You know, in my notes, in my notes, I have written, nope, just no. And then in the course of that review, I realized that this, I really think this book sparked the conversation Mm -hmm. about what is really going on 
between the ways we are raising and conditioning men and women in light of the patriarchy. Yeah, that's so interesting. Probably in like a very pop culture way, got us talking about it to start yeah. thinking about it. And while spawned a bunch of responses. In academia and in yep. you know science, yeah. they're definitely looking at it. But for us to, to think about it in an everyday way, you're right. You know, you can't get from A to Z without going through the other 24 letters of the alphabet. So yeah. this had to be one of the steps along the way. It just Yeah. It and so, so, so as far horrible. as that goes, this being like, you know, the first flame and the giant fire that this has become. And I do think we've made a lot of incredible strides, you know, towards mm-hmm. behavioral psychology, mm-hmm. right? I, then I would say, yeah. Great. Well, yeah. everybody's dying for this next question. What <laughs> did you try and put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? I'm not going to put anything into practice from this book. That's right. Because let me tell you, something I've learned in my <laughs> thousands of suitors is that... <laughs> You know, in like almost a decade-long relationship and then being back out in the dating world and trying to navigate all that, every single person is totally unique and different. Mm. And you just have to show up and learn what works for each person, Mm -hmm. what doesn't, what their needs are, try and communicate. You know, so there's no formula. And any book that tells you there's a formula, throw it in the trash. I really relate to the desire to break it down into simpler yeah. context to make it yeah. easy because yeah. interpersonal relationships and romantic relationships on top of that are so challenging in order to yeah. make them intimate and vulnerable yeah. and fulfilling. And yeah. it takes a lot of work. So it it seems great to be able to just kind of knock it out in a couple ideas. It does. And to that effect, may I suggest are episodes of the following books that are also going to be in show notes right underneath your finger. You can click on these in one flick and a press if you want more modern, holistic, wholehearted books that break down some of these concepts. May we recommend Attached, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, For the Love of Men by Liz Plank, Fed Up by Gemma Hartley, and any then, of and course, all of these any books? of our Bruce Bryan's reviews. No, don't. Dear God, don't. <laughs> but any of those books are really going to beautifully break down what is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, with a beautiful modern cultural context that's really inclusive of the full I would also put burnout in there. Yeah. From a yes. female perspective. I know we talked a lot about what the author missed in terms mm-hmm. of heteronormative, a very binary, yeah. gender binary, yeah. and then, of course, lacking the context because it was written before the yeah. context of this kind of yeah. patriarchal lens and, you know, learn toxic masculinity and that stuff. But yeah. I mean, outside of that and him being completely <laughs> reductive and oh. not capable, what qualifies Jesus to deliver? <laughs> what do you feel they missed? Yeah. So all of those are the biggies. And I just think, honestly, it's so cheap to say that all men are like this and all women are like this and to not at all address homosexual relationships. Yeah. Because what happens when you have two men in a relationship or two women in a romantic relationship? Or, you know, polyamory where there's multiple people. Yeah, it's just, it seems like the elephant in the room. Like, how do you break down miscommunications between same-sex couples? You know, if you really know it all, and this is truly how the genders innately and instinctually operate, like, well, that's just the giant I think it requires card, a know? follow-up book from my yeah. man cave to your man cave, bridging the distance in in male, uh, male, male Dig a tunnel between us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> who would you buy this book for, and who would you never buy it for? I would buy this book for anyone who's studying the effects of toxic masculinity or perhaps an anthropologist or historian who wants to see what gender stereotypes were like in the 90s. I would not buy this book for anyone today. There are much, much better thorough and effective research-backed books that explain the different conditioning, et cetera, et cetera, all of the ones we just named. You know, like there's just so much better content out there. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the evolution of how to deal with your partner to how to get to know yourself better and yeah. and learn to advocate for what you want is kind of 
where we're at now. Yeah. And like how to de deconstruct or or untangle yourself from the pressures and expectations that society yeah. puts on you yeah. to look a certain way, act a certain way, be pleasing. You know, like there's it's it's a really complex thing we're dealing with yeah. here. And yeah, and a lot of authors tackle different parts of it really beautifully. Yeah. You know, but please, not this one. Please, thank you. Please, God. <laughs> Is there a listener challenge? And do you have no, a no? You, you have the week off. We all need a week off after this book. Thank There's you. nothing to do. The fact that you got through this—I mean, this was a big conversation. Yeah, you know, for you and I, and I'm sure for anybody listening, like, whoo! But we did it. We did it. And I hope that everyone listening, male, female, non-binary, you know, non-gender specific, gender fluid, any anyone, I hope you feel more empowered. Yeah. You know, to communicate in the style that works for you. Yeah. Well, since we normally do homework check-ins on deep dives, there will not be a deep dive uh, for this week's episode. Yeah. Um, But that's okay because, oh my God, I would have lost my mind. Yeah. But instead, if you want to take a look at what our Patreon has to offer, please feel free to visit that again and see what some of our other really amazing and intimate and deep and touching and funny Deep yeah. dive episodes have been with other other bits of homework, but I do say yeah. thank you because that would have killed me. That would have killed me this week. This yeah, week. no, I can't do it. And it's not it's not like a simple. I feel like we've really wrung it out in this one too. <laughs> and and also, by the way, for Patreon, if you want to check it out for one month, like there's zero contracts. There's yeah. zero. It's not like you're making a commitment. Like yeah, try it out for a month. See give how it, it feels. If, yeah, give it a, Take a chance. Yeah. Well, with that. May your interplanetary communications, oh my God, romantic communications be, be abundant. abundant. <laughs> Goodbye. Just pull over the car, Bill. <laughs> Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Saff. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.